Welcome to Behind the Warrior, a podcast presented by the EOD Warrior Foundation. This series will focus on resources, interviews, and topics impacting EOD warriors, their families, and the military community at large. Hello, everyone. This is Maria Shabla, and welcome to Behind the Warrior podcast. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with active duty Marine Corps EOD technician and financial enabler, Jaime Gallardo. Welcome to the podcast, Jaime. Hey, how you doing, Maria? Thank you for having me. I'm doing good. Um, so we are here today to talk to you about your efforts to help everyone you can to reach financial freedom and also to provide some tips on how to improve their financial situation. But before we get into that, can you tell us a little bit about your upbringing and where did you grow up? So, yeah, so I was, uh, I was born in Colombia, raised in Ecuador, and uh, I eventually moved, uh, I moved to the United States twice, uh, first time to St. Pete after I was born, and then we went back to Ecuador where my dad's from. Uh, but yeah, it's actually a, a big part of my story is, uh, you know, being Colombian, as most UD technicians will know, uh, the FARC is a deal in Colombia, and uh, I actually had a cousin that I lost. Uh, well, I wasn't very close to her, but she died in a car bomb. My uncle was captured by the FARC for a few years, so it, it's uh, my upbringing actually brought me closer to this community without me even knowing it. Wow. Um, okay, so what is a FARC? Is that what you said? So, yes. So the FARC, um, I, can, I can look up the actual acronym. I don't remember. I've, I've gotten so used to it. But it's basically the guerrilla forces in Colombia, mm-hmm. right? Um, they were, they, even to this day, now they have a political party. Um, and they were, they're very well known for their IEDs and, um, and the problems in Colombia. So they're the revolutionary armed forces of Colombia, oh, right? Wow. Or Fuerzas Revolucionarias Armadas de Colombia. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a, it was a pretty big deal. Um, my uncle, he was actually a quote unquote, a, uh, like a prisoner of war for a year. And he tells the story of having to walk for 15 months straight. Oh my goodness. Uh, you know, yeah, it was, a. Uh, my actually my cousin ended up uh negotiating the release um it was a pretty interesting and i was very young uh i don't remember much of it but i remember my mom talking about hey your cousin got killed in a car bomb hey your uncle is is currently captured and Mm. we didn't hear anything for 15 months and it's like all of a sudden he's released Uh, so it was a very interesting story and definitely ties to to me ending up being an eod tag and i remember being in afghanistan the first time and being like huh, I remember a little bit about this. I was like, my uncle, you know, and mm. it just all of a sudden started clicking, you know? Yeah, yeah. Wow, okay. So then when did you, I guess, move back to the United States and join uh, the Marine Corps? So I um, eventually moved back in 2000, and then we joined the Marine Corps in 2004. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm the first pretty much ever in my family to join uh, the military, little less a foreign country, uh, military. Uh, so that actually was a surprise to my mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom still tells the story of her saying, I'll work two jobs. I'll send you to University of Miami if that's what you want. And I'm like, nope, I'm joining the Marine Corps. <laughs> had no idea. What. I still, you know, I didn't know why, but my mom eventually showed me some pictures of me being a little kid at a pawn shop in America mm-hmm. and me crying. I was like, I am not leaving until I live here with a scarlet and gold shirt. My mom had no idea what it was. It was a massive shirt with a with a Marine Corps logo. Wow, that's so, crazy! Yeah. It's just all weird, you know. Mm-hmm. And and again, coming from a, a family that was you know uh, against the military, and and again, this was a South American perspective, not an American perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom was very shocked when I joined, especially in the middle of the war. Wow. And yeah. and so why the Marine Corps? So. That's an, an interesting thing that I actually don't know exactly yeah. why I chose the Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. I think it was actually chance. So I was, I was in ROTC in, in high school, and I was considering, really funny, the Air Force Guard and the Navy Reserves. And I was about to start talking to those guys. I go to vacation to Ecuador for the summer. I come back, and the Marine recruiter calls me. Ooh. I have no idea how he got my number. Uh, he calls me, he brings me in, and and obviously I fell, I fell 
uh, I fell for it, right? I got suckered in. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I, I don't hold it against him, right? He said all the right things, the uniform, you know, the dragon commercial, all the things <laughs> just worked out. Uh, and I was like, fine, I'll join the Marine Corps. Later on, it's when I, my mom told me about the shirt uh, and, and little things, little coincidences that had happened before that. But yeah, th- I don't know exactly what mm-hmm. brought me to the Marine Corps. Uh, I'm not one of those kids that was brought up. It's like, I'm going to be a Marine or I'm going to be a warrior. I had no clue of, of any of that. Right. This is all new to me. Yeah. Oh, what a neat story. I love it. Mm-hmm. So when you enlisted, what what was your career field? Did Was it initially EOD or did you cross-train? I cross-trained. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of people you know, that are interested in the Marine Corps um, unfortunately, we cannot come into EOD uh, in, in basic entry, right? We cannot mm-hmm. come in, join the military, and go straight to EOD. Okay. So if you ever meet a Marine EOD tech, they were all a previous job before. And mm-hmm. if you ever meet a Marine EOD officer, he was enlisted once, right? That is just how the system works. Interesting. So I joined uh, to be a motor transport uh, maintenance, so mechanic, uh, and I hated it. Uh, I told my recruiters, like, you, you totally bamboozled me. You got why me. Didn't you send me to, yeah. Why didn't you send me to the infantry? And he says, uh, that's what you wanted. I was like, I didn't know what I want. I'm 18. Um, so I was very fortunate, though. I did a combat deployment. I did a few. I did a Pacific uh, PACOM deployment as a motor team mechanic. I felt that I had achieved everything in that field, um, which is, uh, you know, that's how what I felt, right? Mm-hmm. I had... I had already run a shopping combat. I had a massive uh, rolling stock. I had to train infantrymen and artillerymen to do the job because there wasn't enough of us mechanics to maintain the mission that we had, which was um, it wasn't route clearance. We had a a basically transport. Mostly we were transporting uh, prisoners of war back mm. and from uh, throughout the, the throughout Iraq. Wow. So I felt I had achieved everything, and the reason uh, I wanted to become EOD is that during my Pacific, my PACOM deployment, I was in the Philippines, and a lot of EOD techs have been there, Crow Valley, and uh, there was this two EOD techs, uh, then uh, Sergeant Jackson and uh, Staff Sergeant Maza. I'll never forget these guys. I've actually run into them post-fact, and, you know, they had the cool gear, you know, (laughs) they had the long hair, they had the cool helmets. And I was like, well, I want to do what these guys are doing. So I went out with them. They blew, we blew some stuff up. And I was like, wow. And they're really smart. I was like, I like that. So I came back and I applied for EOD. I got accepted. Uh, I went on my Iraq deployment, came back and started OJT. I went to EOD school in 2008, graduated May 15, 2009. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And uh, it's, it's been, it was, it was a great experience, you know, and I, you know, well, you're, you're in, that, in Niceville and, it was uh, it was great to be there. Uh, I remember uh, my classmates very well. Actually, one of them is Lieutenant Colonel Teller in the Army. Uh, great man. So it was a, we had a really good class, very competitive class. So it was, it was a really good time. Right on. Well, so now you are getting close to retirement. Can you tell us about your EOD career and your current position? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've been stationed as an EOD tech in Hawaii, California, Okinawa, Japan, and uh, now in Albuquerque, New Mexico. So um, most of my career was spent in MARSOC, um, in Marine Special Operations Command, as a, one of the special operations capable EOD technicians in the teams. And that was the highlight of, of I would say that's the highlight of my career, uh, to, to be able to be around that level of EOD tech, that level of operator, and the demands that were got put on, on us um, we, we got to do a lot. I didn't, I, I'm, I, I like telling this story as real as it is. I didn't do the big soft combat deployments, mm-hmm. uh, that I missed that. I missed that window. Uh, but I had a really good combat deployment before that, uh, as a conventional EOD tech. And it was awesome, um, to see. And I actually attribute a lot of my success in MARSOC to my first team. One of the guys, he was an incredible EOD tech. The other guy had previously been in and Marsak as an infantryman. And they basically, I always say, and I, I'll tell them this to their face, it's like, these two men taught me to war, you know? Because I had no idea what, what it meant, right? Like, I, I could barely hold a rifle right. I was lost. Uh, and these guys showed me how to survive in that environment. And I remember, to me, it was pretty vivid. Like, the moment 
after that deployment, I was like, oh, wow, I can be physically fit. I can meet these demands. And it, it kind of all of a sudden clicked. And I had no idea that I had it in me. Uh, it goes back to my upbringing, right? I was not brought up to be, uh, you know, oh, you're going to play football. You're going to, you know, do a, a lot of labor. So all of this was new. And after that deployment, it just clicked. Wow. So I went to Marsoc. I think I had a, a pretty good career. Went then to Okin- back to Okinawa, Japan to, and I'll, I'm glad I get to sit in a podcast, the best Marine EOD company, which is 30 EOD company. Uh, <laughs> all, all the best EOD techs in the Marine Corps go there at one point or another. That is just a fact. And uh, <laughs> That's your big so, shout out. <laughs> yeah, that's a big shout out, right? The unit is a bomb. Um, so while I was there, I got to go back to the same place where, you know, it, it all came back together. I was able to take a section of EOD Tech to Crow Valley, where it all started for me. And um, we had an amazing trip. You know, it was just a few EOD Techs. Uh, they were, you know, do, doing, they had to do the mission at very difficult times throughout the day just to meet the demands of the area. So it was a really good time. We're training the police. You know, these guys were seeing real IDs all the time. So it was a great time. After Okinawa, I uh, came to Albuquerque uh, to the Defense Nuclear Weapons School. And uh, I'm one of the instructors there. I'm the only Marine enlisted instructor there. Uh, and we teach, uh, most of you should be familiar with our courses, ADT-1-2 and the Joint Nuclear Explosive Ordnance Disposal course. And we have a brand new course, the weapon recovery course for the Air Force and Navy custodial units. Um, so it's a really good time. We have a great connection to the nuclear enterprise. Uh, we get to see, you know, the best of the, well, the best of the best. We have good connections with them and see how the FBI and the Department of Energy does it. So it's a really good experience and exposure to the nuclear enterprise, especially as a Marine that we have currently very little nuclear mission. Wow, that is so interesting. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, most services, uh, the other services have their nuclear missions, but as a Marine, it's definitely pretty niche. You know, there's mm-hmm. uh, there's not many that even uh, care about this mission because it's just, you know, when, when you look at all the things that are important, everything's important. Mm-hmm. This one turns out not to be, and, and that's okay. We're, we're realistic about the requirements and demands that units have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now, Jaime, the EOD Warrior Foundation is making concerted efforts to try to help remove the stigma surrounding mental health in in the community. Can you tell us about your personal story on seeking mental health care and how it did or did not affect your career? Yeah, um, I I thought I was going to be prepared for that one. But uh, yeah, so that, wow, that's very, um, it's very important, right? Mm -hmm. And I'll, I'll go ahead and tell my story. So when I went to, right before I went to Marsoc, I got my first divorce. It was very hard. There's guys that to this day laugh at how I was a total wreck uh, for the years after that. And I even, uh, I was at a very difficult course, a very uh, demanding course in Marsoc, and I had a uh, suicide ideation. Um, and to me, the, the it was very hard. And I remember to this day, I'm actually, well, this is really crazy. I just thought of this. I'm at my friend's house. I'm with a friend here in Texas, and I was at his, at his house in North Carolina when I had a suicide ideation. This is all very funny how this is happening. And I remember I, I, I grabbed a gun. Um, I had spent all day. I got a tattoo. I was with some friends. There was a girl. And all of a sudden, all these emotions came up from my ex. I went outside, gun loaded. Um, I would remember holding it in my hand in his driveway, and I called my boss. And I was like, Ronnie, Ronnie, I'm going to commit suicide. And he says, okay, uh, are you sure? And he kind of talked me through it. We talked a little bit. He connected me to another Marine EOD officer, John Herman, uh, who's a bona fide war hero, uh, a legend in Marsoc. And we spoke for a bit and I went back inside. They, I remember they asked me, it's like, are you going to do this? You know, is it safe for us to hang up? And I told him, yes, I got you. Um, I, I'm not going to do anything. I went inside, put the gun away. A circumstance happened. Uh, they tried to kick me out of the course, tried to kick me out of MARSOC. And the Marine the officer in charge of MARSOC at that moment, he had been dealing with his own uh, pains and difficulties, um, Major Robuski. And he brings me to his office, and we had a, a very serious conversation about what I had going on. 
And he basically, what I remember, I hope he tells the story the same. He basically said, I understand you. This is difficult. You have a job to do. You either can go seek very specific help or you can continue to do your job and take care of yourself and find help and stay here, right? He, at no point did he tell me, suck it up. He did not say this is going to be easy, um, but he gave me an out and an opportunity, and that's all I needed. Uh, so I didn't commit suicide. I'm still here, and I'm very public and vocal about how I survived it. Fast forward, I go to Marsoc, and now I'm on my second relationship. I ended up marrying this woman as well, and I'm dealing with a lot of stress, and I couldn't handle it well, and I went to saw the Marsoc psych, and I'm telling him, it's like, hey, I'm again, I'm thinking about committing suicide. And the doctor tells me, yeah, that makes perfect sense. I have guys come into this office every day and tell me they want to commit suicide. Do they do it? No. So what he eventually said is that you're stuck in a corner. You're used to fixing problems. You can't fix that, all these problems. So now suicide becomes an option. And he says it should be an option. You should. It's so normal to consider doing it. It is not healthy to do it. So that way, it like I had this massive shift in my brain that it's like, I am not broken. I'm not wrong for considering suicide. But I need to do everything in my power to not do it. Right? So definitely, totally huge shift. Uh, I felt uh, a lot of acceptance, especially, you know, I didn't need to know who the men and women were that were walking into his office that were saying it. But... I felt comfortable knowing that as I walked the halls of the building uh, of, of the Raider Battalion I was in, that there was men and women that were dealing with the same thing and that it was fine. And fortunately, at that point, at least, we did not have a high suicide rate. So I knew that everybody was making it through mm -hmm. uh, and a huge shift. And I, I try to be super vocal about it because we sh it's okay to think about it. You're, we're not broken for it. Mm -hmm. It's okay to consider it. Just there's better options than to do it. Right. right. And, and, and there's way better options, you know, even the worst of lives is better than doing it. Right. Like we look at the, the third world countries, right. People live happy and those conditions. So it's better than doing it. Uh, so I try to be very vocal about that. And I'm very thankful that the EOD Warrior Foundation puts a lot of time, effort, money to uh, take care of us EOD techs so that we can, you know, keep more of our brothers and sisters alive because it's, man, it's, it's not easy. I'm not going to tell anybody it's easy. It's just doable to right. survive. That. Yeah. Well, well, thank you so much for sharing that with us. And I'm sure that there's a lot of men and women out there that can relate and hopefully find some inspiration um, in your story. And you recently went, um, had the opportunity to go through the Intrepid Center. Um, yeah. Is that right? Yeah, the Intrepid Spirit Center, yes. Can you tell us a little bit about that experience? Yeah, so I uh, I did the one in Camp Lejeune. I know there's a bunch of others. Um, there's some in Pendleton. Um, there's some in Air Force bases. I know there's one in Fort Carson and Fort Bragg. So the Intrepid Spirit Center is really a TBI clinic, and I would tell any single EOD tech to get evaluated to see if they qualify to go. Uh, the most important thing is that they should not wait until retirement to go. I would even say, you've been a EOD tech for 10 years, you should go, right? If you're already having trouble sleeping, if you're having anger issues, if you have light sensitivity, noise sensitivity, there's countless things, right? And I'm not, I'm not a medical professional. I'm not going to allude that I am. But there's countless things that would qualify us as already having symptoms of traumatic, traumatic brain injury. This is not a PTSD center. They deal with PTSD as more of a traumatic brain injury and the effects of explosives have on us. Obviously, being EOD, we get exposed to explosives a lot more than the average uh, service member. So this is why we're very uh, high candidates for it. Uh, so when I went, the the biggest thing that I, I got is that this center focuses on mind, body, and spirit. And we say that loosely, right? And it's very easy. Go work out, take care of your body, uh, take care of your mind, maybe continue to develop your yourself, educate yourself, challenge yourself. And then spirit is always very difficult, right? Because we always associate it to religion, right? Mm -hmm. When it's not that, right? I'm not, I'm not saying anybody to or to not be religious, but there's a lot more to our spirit than religion. So they try to see that holistically and they try to set us on a better 
path, right? Whether it's improving our sleep, whether it's pain control, whether it's simple balance. Uh, a big one for me that was very small was vision therapy. And, you know, I had just gone to the hospital and they told me, you need glasses. I go to Intrepid Spirit Center and they said, you don't need glasses. You just need vision therapy. Mm. Your left eye doesn't move as normal. And I'm like, wow, I wow. wish they would have just not given me glasses. What right? in the world? I've never heard of that. Right. Right. Something so simple. And then they, they connect us to the right networks, uh, like the Semper Fi uh, Foundation. I don't know if I can say that, but the Semper Fi Foundation of yeah, America. Absolutely. Semper Fi in America, they're incredible. And they provide gear to EOD techs, uh, gear to people that go there that qualify. Uh, and this is also for the vets out there. If you're nine, I, don't quote me. I'm pretty sure you have to have 90% PTSD. And in combat, they qualify for the Semper Fi and America's Fund. So if you have any questions, I'm sure that we can connect you guys to that. But the idea is that we have, we look at our body and our PTSD, our stress is not a single problem, right? And the idea is that if they can fix everything by 1%, maybe we can fix the major problem by 10%, right? And we can improve our quality of life. So there was guys there that like they've had shoulder pains entire, ever since they were E5s. All of a sudden, they found the problem. They put in surgery. The person's better. Maybe they've had back pain. They improved the back pain that caused them to, at the same time they were doing um, headache treatment, that caused them to feel better and now not be as angry at home. And we did this horse therapy about communication in Camp Lejeune. It was in incredible so the idea is that how can we fix the whole person to improve their quality of life even by a small percentage those small percentages can increase throughout life as we we get better at pain management uh uh anger issues um you know depression uh countless other things this is i'm not just mentioning exclusively those there's a lot to it mm -hmm. right so to me it was very eye-opening and it was a big connection to my path that i'm currently on of improving myself and being on a better path on my own and Intrepid Spirit literally jump-started it. So I would definitely tell guys and girls to go earlier than later. Wow, that's great advice. And it sounds really exciting. It sounds like an amazing program. So I hope um, anyone listening um, might might reach out and try to have that same kind of um, experience and kind of get excited about their path um, if they're not right now. Um, I hope so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it sounds awesome. So you had mentioned to me earlier that a lot of times financial pressure can play a big role in suicidal ideation when coupled with other stressful situations. Can you elaborate a little bit on that and tell us how you got started on your journey into financial wellness? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I'll answer your, your question first. So I, I don't want people to say that I'm giving a actual number, right? But let's consider financial issues into life, right? So let's say you come back from the appointment and you're stressed out about situation X, right? And then I tack on because of that situation, you're stressed out at home, but then you get a car problem and now the bills increase. Mm -hmm. So the main problem with financial stressors is that they compound on everything else in life. Unfortunately, this is actually proven is that the number one reason for divorce is financial stressors. So that's in my path. I was like, I cannot, I'm not a mental guy. Uh, even though I have, I can give great tips about physical fitness. I'm not the expert there. Uh, and I've, I've leaned into finance because I want to improve everybody's situation. If I can get anybody to a little bit wealthier and I can save their marriage, I can make them a little happier. I can help their kids to go to a vacation. I can help you. I can help somebody buy their kids the gifts that they always wanted. I know that their quality of life might be improved by that. 1%. I don't need to make everybody a millionaire. I just want to set people on a better path. So the way that I started Financial Enabler actually all starts from, you know, my problems. I'm a, I'm a unusually good at ruining relationships. And uh, yeah, unusually good at it, right? But not anymore. That's, a, that's an old time, right? So I, I got my second divorce in 2021. And um, I, I did something terrible, and I would tell anybody in privacy, I did something terrible. Um, I didn't cheat on her, but I, I, I did something really bad. 
And I basically hit rock bottom. Mm. I felt like a, an alcoholic. I was like, great. I can't go any lower. I'm literally the worst of the worst. Oh, no. I need to start climbing out. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's when I started diving into programs, books, and seeking to improve myself. Part of my divorce, it actually, to, it, to me, after a lot of introspection and reading, I found that it was caused by how I treated EOD and my other hobby, which was skydiving. My whole life was Marsak EOD and Skydive of the Weekend. Mm-hmm. Everything revolved around that. Wow. And the moment that I was separated from that and I went to Japan, I was no longer on full task like a dog. If you get a dog off task, they can eventually start destroying things. So I started falling apart, right? Mm-hmm. I picked up a, a, a bad habit. I uh, became lazier. Um, maybe I wasn't pre- as appreciative to my ex. Started snowballing. We went to Albuquerque, heat of COVID, nothing to do, really bored. My MBA wasn't demanding enough, and I fell apart, right? After the divorce, I started climbing out, and one day I was running. I was like, what am I going to do? You know, I, um, I want to do more. Uh, obviously, I'm, I think I'm a good instructor, but I want to do more. And I thought, I'm good with money. I've always been good with money. I know a lot of tips and tricks. I'm going to create an Instagram. I'm going to start reaching the young generation. Wow. Wow. That's uh, wild. Yeah. Yeah. The fateful run. (laughs) Right. Right. That run, you know. And I tell people is that a lot of great, we look at everything and not everything, a lot of things in history of life, right? Great companies come out of depressions and recessions, Mm -hmm. right? A lot of greatness comes after our worst moments. And I know there's EOD picks out there. And if you're hearing this, I know this is you. You lost your legs, and that was the best thing that happened to you. Look at you now, right? We all know that guy, right? We all know somebody that is at a situation. Somebody had cancer, post-cancer, best thing that ever happened. You know, they jump-started their life. Mm -hmm. So, unfortunately, that's what I needed. I needed my divorce. And my only regret in my divorce is that I had to hurt somebody to get there, right? Mm -hmm. If I could redo everything, I just wish I wouldn't have hurt her, right? Wow. So, I started reaching out to other social media personalities, um, Mostly Marines that have are doing a lot of great things for the voice. Again, they're not sponsored by the Marine Corps, but they're putting the Marine Corps in good light. I reached out to them and said, how should I do this? And I went all in. I launched it. And uh, I, the reaction has been incredible. Like from young E5s, people are thinking of the military, E8s, majors, like countless people. It's like, I need help. Mm-hmm. Or I need to make sure I'm doing well. And most people think they're doing bad financially. Like look, just yesterday, I had a, kid, a conversation with a guy. He's like, a month ago, he says, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm in debt. I don't know what to do. And then all of a sudden, I was like, and we, we looked at his finances and he actually has no problems. But he just didn't have an outside perspective, right? Mm-hmm. So when people think that they're doing bad, I actually tell them, you probably just need a small rudder steer or a pat in the back. We all need to know that we're in the right path. And we do that very well in the military. We ask young guys, go run an IED call, go run an ordinance call. And we either, well, a lot of, and a lot of guys give negative reinforcement, but then we should give positive reinforcement. We need rudder steers. Mm-hmm. But if I told a guy, go run IED calls, and I never said anything, how does he know he's doing right? Mm-hmm. He, may, he may beat it, but he might not do it the best way. So a lot of people are seeking that. And... I really dove into it and I started forcing me to start reading more, listening more and diving deeper and deeper and deeper. And the goal is to just get people to a more positive place to get them happier, to get them to achieve their goals and dreams. Right. And that crusade truly being like, how do we save a marriage? How do we get people to a little wealthier and wealthier is very broad, right? Wealthy can be as as simple as I want to be able to, take my kid on a vacation once a year. That, that's wealthy for some mm-hmm, people. Mm-hmm. We want to get into that, right? And then there's the opportunity that we can show them that how to get to wealthy, how to, you know, really increase the amount of money they have and reduce stress. And that's when I can tie it to intrepid spirit, mind, body, spirit, and finance. Mm-hmm. If we're able to tackle those four aspects of life, I'm not telling you that life is going to be dandy. That's impossible. But it could be a little better. Maybe we can stress a little less. Maybe we can have happier relationships. You know, you know, there's guys right now and girls that probably are just like 
Valentine's just happened. And they're like, I would love to take out my wife or my husband to this dinner. And they can't afford it. I want to get them to that. Mm-hmm. If I can get that to people, that's, that, that's incredible. You know, I would, I know that I could cause a positive change in their life and really help them on retirement because I can get really deep into the problems with retirement and that we're overlooking. Uh, but yeah, does that, does that answer your question? I went a little long on that one. Yeah, no, no, no. So, so you currently have an Instagram page called Financial Enabler. Um, and I, I've seen it and, and looked through it. I, I'm not, uh, very good at Instagram, I will confess. <laughs> but, um, no, but I saw, you know, it has an EOD badge and, and a skull in the middle of it and some stars around it. Um, so, but yeah. can you tell us what is your goal with this Instagram page? Yeah. So I'll, I'll talk a little about the logo. That's our logo for the Marsoc EOD text. Oh, right? wow. Okay. The skull and the skull and the stars represents the Raider emblem. Okay. Right. Of, uh, the original Marine Raiders. And that's why, that logo is becoming more and more popular. We just put it on top of that EOD badge, replacing with the center star uh, to show how we're doing both, right? We're part of all of it. And I put financial enabler under it. Um, I didn't want to, um, I've, I've even asked a bunch of people, should I make the logo any different? And I was like, no, because those are all parts of who I am, right? They brought me to this. I needed that self-destruction and growth to get me to here. Uh, so that's the logo. Um, and then you said about asking about the financial advisor part, right? Well, yeah, definitely interested in yeah. that. Um, I saw in, in all caps, I am not a financial advisor. So I kind of was curious, um, what is the difference between an advisor and an enabler? So I'm going to try to oversimplify this. Uh, there's licenses associated, right? Like securities license. And if anybody wants to come in, uh, I, I may be missing something, but securities license is a big factor to be a financial advisor, right? I'm not that, right? I see myself more as a guide, right? I can point people the right direction. I don't want people to come in and think that I'm going to manage their money. That is a big thing. I am not going to manage their money. I'd rather give them the education and knowledge mm-hmm. in a broader scope, right? Uh, and this is when I'll, I'll, I'll put my issues with the financial um for, um, the financial industry right now is that it's transactional, right? We generally go to a financial advisor, a, C- a CPA, a um, um, life insurance salesman, or who's a, a lawyer for entities, and we give them money and we get a product and a service back. Mm-hmm. The main thing I've noticed is that most guys and girls don't know what they're getting and they don't understand it because generally they're so focused on sales that they're not providing the knowledge as to what it's doing. Wow. They may get an awesome financial product, whether let's say stocks, bonds, whatever. They may have incredible life insurance. They may have the right entity, but they're using it wrong. And that's mm. a problem. So again, I always associate financial products and services to a gun, right? And whatever, regardless of what people think or feel about guns, they are a tool, right? It could be used for bad or good, irrelevant. If I give it to the wrong person, I use it wrong, it's going to be a huge problem, right? Mm-hmm. And you see it right now. People with the wrong bank accounts, wrong life insurance, wrong indexes, or good indexes used wrong. That's a huge problem, right? So that's why I'm not a financial advisor because I won't manage money. I don't have the securities license. Uh, and I really want to just enable and guide people to their wealth. Interesting. That is so interesting. So, um, can you tell our listeners some of the quick tips or, um, or advice? Because I, I think I saw on your Instagram, it's like each, each, I don't even know what you call it, like short video. You had like a different yeah. tip or a different topic that you were talking about. Yeah. So I'll, I'll start with the first one is for all the guys that are guys and girls that are retired, mm-hmm. right? The, that I'm going to focus them on taxes, right? So the biggest thing is, Look at your investments and assets and you can categorize them whether they're in the taxable, tax deferred or tax exempt bucket, right? So I would welcome everybody and invite them to find a solution to get majority of it into the tax exempt bucket, right? Because all analysis points that taxes are going up. So especially come 2026, when the current laws expired, they can already go up. So the problem is, is that if let's say somebody has a million dollars worth of wealth 
And right now they expect the taxation of, let's say 20%, they're going to lose $200,000. That is assuming a lot of things they sell all at once. Got it. But what if it was 50% and we have had those tax rates in the past. Now that is a huge hit that we did not account for. So while there's great tax deferred vehicles, the only way to guarantee the protection is to put in the tax deferred. So that's why I put a lot of time and effort into that, getting to the, sorry, putting in the tax exempt bucket. Mm -hmm. And I get a lot of training on this because it's a big deal, right? Obviously there's big perks, move to Florida, move to Texas, move to Puerto Rico uh, and all the other states to avoid sales tax or federal state, uh, federal taxes. But what about everything else, right? So that's the first thing for retirees. For brand new EOD techs or within the military, I would say the biggest tips are make sure your TSP is in the right place. Make sure you have the right amount, a uh, good amount of contribution, but limit your liquidity. So maybe not over 5%. That's my perspective. Use credit cards right. They're a huge tool. Use the VA loan right. Build your wealth. Um, that actually gives a lot of access to tax exempt money if used right later on in life. And uh, so that's why I try to connect all that. And one of the things that I, the, the, I would say those are the major things. And I, I list, recently did a meme and is make sure that you have good saving and investing habits before you have spending habits, mm, right? That's a so good if one. I, if, <laughs> right. So if I can get people to adjust their habits just a little bit, mm-hmm. I can guarantee that we can create a lot of wealth, Right. And especially right now, the financial services and products that exist are the best that they've ever been. Like savings accounts are 3.75%, right? Like something simple, right? Being able to get the Amex and Chase suite of cards for free, huge tool of use, right? So I think that that's a big thing for people that are out already and people that are just coming in and, uh, and we can balance all that in between. Oh, that's so interesting. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. That with us. For sure. Yeah. Um, so you had mentioned earlier that there, you have your Instagram page where you are, you know, trying to get as much information and education out to the public, to the community for free, which is yeah. amazing. And, uh, you know, I'm very grateful that you're providing that service. And I think you've mentioned that if anybody had even questions that they could, um, message you and um, you could give them, you know, some kind of guidance just yourself. Right. If I can save somebody a hundred dollars a month, that's a huge win in my mind, you know, and uh, as you can imagine, there's people that a hundred dollars a month would get them out of paycheck to paycheck. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's just the perspective in a lot of cases is like, you're doing okay. This is why I just had a guy yesterday. He had a decent amount of wealth, an officer, and he thought he was stressing out that he was broke. And I'm like, Bro, you're doing just fine. <laughs> he had no idea. He, he didn't know. Because also, we're not comparing financial financials. So we don't even know where we stand with everybody around us. Yeah, that's right? such a so good it's point. Very un- it's very uncomfortable. Right? The financial uh, space is very it's a very personal conversation. And that's why we try to be very empathetic, very mm-hmm. realistic, very understanding of all the walks of life. And this is why I try to read a lot about it because it's very dynamic. The example that I try to tell people is that if I walked in, uh, Maria, you have kids, right? I do. Mm-hmm. So if I walked into your house and I told you, Maria, I'm going to teach you how to raise kids. You're probably doing it <laughs> Please do. You would, <laughs> <laughs> right? You would probably tell me, get out of my house, right? You don't tell me how to raise my kids, right? That's, That's what most people would say. Mm-hmm. So if I walked into somebody and say, hey, you have your money, you're doing it wrong. I'm going to show you how to do it right. <laughs> People are going to kick me out of the houses. So I try to be very empathetic. Mm-hmm. It's like, maybe you're doing it right. Maybe you're doing a lot right. Okay, let's build on what you're doing right. And let's just see if we can do something better with the improvements. If you allow me in your house or in your space, right? I'm not going to tell anybody they're doing it wrong mm-hmm. because they're not. They're doing it within. I generally default to thinking everybody's doing it the best they can. They're giving it 100%. But your 100% may lack some knowledge right and we can definitely get people to a little bit better right and that's why humility is very difficult in those sensitive sensitive subjects right yeah that's why you know we seek parental advice we seek mentorship we seek uh finance you know it's so easy for military guys and girls i'm gonna go find i'm gonna go to a really good gym with a really good coach i'm gonna go to learn shoot what about everything else it also makes you more lethal if you have more wealth and you're not stressing at home Mm -hmm. right 
So I try to connect all that to the space of what the mission is of the young EOD techs that they really want to be more lethal. They want to be better at their jobs and they want to go do cool stuff. That's what we all came to EOD. <laughs> so let's get into go do cool stuff and not stress about home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is awesome. Well, well, very exciting. And, you know, I think it's something that everybody can kind of uh, obviously connect with because we all have our own financial situations and or struggles. And um, I think it's really inspiring, yeah. you know, just hearing you talk about all the different things that we can do um, to help get out of debt and to accumulate wealth. And, um, you know, it's, it's fun to listen to you be passionate about it um, because, you know, I think, you know, it's important to thrive, you know, not just survive and yeah. just, you know, getting through your life, but really to be passionate about your life and passionate about what you're doing. And finance is just an integral part of all of that, really, you know? Totally. Yeah. Totally. So now, Jaime, you are preparing for retirement, and we all know that can be very challenging to navigate uh, some new life and career outside of EOD. What are your plans mm-hmm. and what steps are you taking to prepare? So, um, I took a lot of plans throughout my path. I got my MBA from, uh, from Florida State. Uh, while I was still, and I just finished it last year. So I was thought I was going to go into the corporate side. Uh, well, I love EOD. I was leaning towards leaving the EOD community. So that was my first option. My two, my number two option was to stay in the nuclear enterprise and get a job in Albuquerque. And I'll tell every, guy and girl out there that's a new tech. There's a lot of jobs in Albuquerque and it's not that bad, right? So coming <laughs> over. Uh, yeah, they pay really well too. So it's really good options. But once I started doing this finance uh, thing, I was like, this is what's in it for me. This is what I need to do. This is where I get the most gratification. This is where I can give the most value, right? This is where I can help the most people. So this is what I'm going to do. So what I would tell every person that is listening to this podcast is that there's a lot of skills that we get as EOD techs and going to clear ranges and train people is not all we can do. There's countless things we can do. We made it through EOD school. We can graduate from anywhere we want, right? So start looking for opportunities. Identify the things you're good at, right? Like I'm at a friend right now. He's really good with dogs. I'm at his house. He trains dogs. If that's what somebody loves, go do that. Mm-hmm. If you want, if you always want to do, you know, if you, who knows, right? Let's say you save someone's life in Afghanistan and you realize, wow, I'm really good at medicine. I have some skills here. Go seek that. But don't wait until retirement to truly figure out what you want. Mm-hmm. And I say that not because it's wrong, but it's because it's going to be easy. Mm-hmm. Right? So start looking at what you enjoy. Start looking what you're good at and balance that out. Right? A lot of, too many guys are like, I'm done with my, or girls, I'm don't say I'm done with my career and they say, I don't want to do anything else. Or I'm done with this career, I just want to have fun, right? So what I, the only reason I'll tie money to this is that what if you found, what if somebody found something that they didn't totally love that would happen to be really good at and you can make really good money? Then go do that and then spend all the rest of your time doing things you love. Go hunt, go fish, go travel. Uh, or stay at home and be a stay at home dad. You know, that is a incredibly honorable thing. And I'm seeing more and more and more stay at home dads. And that is so badass. It's like, that's <laughs> great. It. Go do that. Go to the gym, <laughs> cook for the wife and raise kids. Mm-hmm. I'm all about it. You know, that's awesome. So what I would say is like, start early, be aggressive, realize that as busy as military life is, it's not that busy. <laughs> and we try to, right. This is something I learned, a lesson I learned recently is that we tend to default to saying, oh, my life is so busy. I have so much to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what I tell people is like, listen, I get it. You think it's busy. Do you think you're busier than a 500, that a Fortune 500 CEO? And they're like, well, no. And I was like, then figure it out. <laughs> those people make, a lot of those guys and girls Love make it. time. Right? They make time for the gym. They make time to meditate. They make time to have dinner with their wives or husbands. They make time to vacation. You can too, right? And it's a skill to manage and control your time. It's a skill, especially with the military. But maybe if we stop, you know, feeling that we're treading water and you stand up from the shallow water and realize I can do this, you can probably really drastically improve your life with a little pre-planning, right? So that's what I would encourage everybody. 
Look at your time and there's actually more time to be productive and happy instead of all the negative or uh, activities that we do that don't give us value, right? And value could be like a book or value is just saying, I'm not doing anything tonight. I'm going to cook dinner for my wife and I'm going to do everything she says for the next four hours to make her happy. That's of you know, incredible value. That is more important than playing a video game, more important than drinking beers. And I'm not saying swap all of them out, but let's do more things that give us more value and joy for overall life. Does that make sense? Does that answer your question? Yes, absolutely. And it's so inspiring and motivating. And <laughs> I love it. I love your message and um, joy. I mean, that's a beautiful word that we just don't hear often enough. Yeah. And I'll say this, and I already said it, uh, I am divorced twice. I've literally messed all this up. This is me post-fact. So I don't want people to think that I'm sitting in my high horse saying that I'm perfect. No, I'm literally messed it all up already. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't want any more divorces. They terrify me. It's the one thing I'd rather walk into a minefield than do go through another divorce. Oh, it's no. Terrifying. <laughs> so like, I'm not sitting in my high horse that I, like if I have it all figured out. I definitely don't. Right. Yeah. And you definitely come across as extremely genuine. So, um, I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for taking the time, um, to share all this very valuable information. And, uh, I hope that this message reaches a lot of people that, that might be needing to hear it and, um, that are trying to reach their version of financial wellness. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Cool. Well, so um, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, the best way would be to reach out to you through Instagram? Yeah, I mm -hmm. would say start there. Mm -hmm. uh, financial period enabler. I think that is the best start. Uh, I, I have an email, but you know, I just rather people reach out through there so we can get to a conversation. Yeah, I want it to be a more personable relationship. Uh, I'm sure that if they reach out to the EOD Water Foundation, they could connect me, connect me to those people. So yeah, feel free, reach out, shoot me a text, uh, shoot me a DM and we'll, we'll get to it. I'm answer, I answer all of them. So uh, I'm, I'm there for people. Awesome. Well, thank you again. And now as is our tradition, we're going to end this interview with a couple of questions about your favorite things. Yeah. Okay. So what is your favorite vacation spot? Well, um, it used to be just internationally. I think uh, so far my favorite has been Japan. But nowadays, it's, it's, uh, um, I like fly fishing. I really? love going to New Mexico rivers. So if somebody comes visit in New Mexico, let's go fly fishing. Uh, I love it. It's just, uh, it's really giving me a lot of peace and enjoyment in nature. So yeah. And I was going to say that San Juan is my favorite so far. Wow. How interesting. Um, okay, so what is your favorite food and or meal? Um, well, my favorite meal is steak uh, and then with a dessert of just fruits. Uh, that's what I love eating now. But if I had to eat one type of food the rest of my life, it would definitely be Japanese. Really? That's it. That's it. Yeah, I would, I would eat all Japanese food the rest of my life. <laughs> I don't even really know what, what the difference between Japanese and Chinese is. What's the difference? Ooh. Uh, I would um, it's more of this, um, for me, in my perspective, is how they season it. Mm -hmm. I think that the Japanese are more neutral flavors without being flavorless, right? Like ramen has very great flavor. Mm -hmm. But I think the Chinese, they put a lot more seasonings okay. into their foods. Uh -huh. uh, I mean, it's, it's great food, too. And I think the, uh, the Japanese definitely eat a lot more things as raw seafood, which obviously sushi is... I love it. You know, it's, uh, it's great. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Um, and then the last question, what is your favorite thing to do in your spare time? I guess, other than fly fishing. So surprisingly is rucking. I love rucking. Uh, and I'll tell anybody that's ever said, Oh, I can't ruck anymore. It's really bad for my body. Uh, I literally just, I heard a whole book about it and, and how we got to do harder things is good for us. So I love rocking. Uh, tomorrow, I'm actually getting ready for the Memorial Baton Death March, and I'm doing a fundraiser for the EOD Water Foundation, and uh, I plan on doing it super fast. So yeah, if uh, again, if people are ever in New Mexico and they want to go for a ruck, I'm probably out there on a Saturday. I'll gladly invite people with me. <laughs> yeah. So they can rock and they can fly fish and they can get financially well. <laughs> yeah. 
piece of cake. We could do it all at the same time, all in one day. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Well, you know, I I love that you, you, you know, kind of point that out that we're always like, oh, we're, I'm so busy, you know, with X, Y, and Z. And, um, and it kind of reminded me of when I went through basic training because I was like 20 and literally when I got out, I was like, I did not in my, my life ever think I could accomplish so many things in like 24 hours, you know, Mm -hmm. but, but just Mm -hmm. to make those things valuable that we're doing that that's just really a great message. So, um, thank you again. Yeah. For, for being inspiring. And, and I hope that, um, our community will reach out, um, to get some, uh, some advice and maybe some guidance from you through your Instagram page. I look forward to it. And, yeah. uh, yeah, it's, I really appreciate the opportunity to be on this platform. Uh, uh, the EODUR foundation means a ton to me. Uh, they're part of my estate and I, I, I'm really thankful to everything you guys do for us. Well, thank you for everything that you're doing, um, for the community, Jaime, and we wish you the very best. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to our behind the warrior podcast brought to you by the EOD warrior foundation. The EOD Warrior Foundation is a 501c3 nonprofit organization serving the EOD community by providing financial assistance, scholarships, and providing hope and wellness resources for the active duty, reserve, National Guard, retired, and veteran EOD communities and their families. We also honor our fallen and wounded EOD technicians by maintaining the EOD Memorial and Remembrance Garden. We do all this through the generosity of individual and corporate donors and sponsors. If you would like to assist the foundation or support our Behind the Warrior podcast, click the link on our webpage at eodwarriorfoundation.org or contact us at info at eodwarriorfoundation.org. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to tell a friend. The various opinions, beliefs, and viewpoints expressed by guests, contributors, and participants of the Behind the Warrior podcast are their own and are intended for informational purposes only. They do not necessarily reflect the opinions, beliefs, viewpoints, or policies of the EOD Warrior Foundation or its employees and volunteers.